Hey, hello, what's up, and welcome into this week's episode of the Geek Garage Podcast, where we are going to the movies. I am Ted, joined as always by show creator or founder, David. How are you, David? I am excellent, other than the fact that John Wick 4 was pushed back like another year or so, which left me fucking yeah. pissed. I, Other yeah. than that, I'm doing okay. Yeah, uh, drop an F in the chat there, boys, as they say <laughs> on the internet, uh, to pay your respects and, uh, you know voice some solidarity in the fact that that sucks a lot of fucking dicks and not even yeah. in that fun way. Like, uh, like people like anyway, right. we're going to get back onto track with some good things. Uh, hopefully yes. Uh, this week, like I said, we are going to the movies. We are also kicking off our, uh, second theme month sort of, uh, of what we're doing with first watches where essentially David and I both have picked a couple of movies that, um, we have seen, but the other one hasn't. For this week, we're doing Inside Lewin Davis, which was David's first choice for me to watch, uh, directed by the Coen Brothers. I'm a big fan of the Coen Brothers, but for whatever reason, uh, mostly because I have like 15 million titles on my watch list, I had not gotten to this one yet. Um, for each episode or movie that we cover, we'll ask the respective person their general thoughts about that film, as well as their favorite scenes, performances, or any other things that we think of that go with it. Before we get to that, we do have a few things to cover, as always, some update uh, some updates, rather, on upcoming events. Evil Con in Evansville, Indiana has been moved and rescheduled. That is now the weekend of July 10th through 12th. We still plan to be there in some capacity, so come say what's up if you are there. AkiaCon right here in Middle Tennessee is set for July 24th through 26th. Uh, again, we do plan to be there in some capacity, so come say what's up if you're in the neighborhood, as the yep. children say. Yes, I, I think that's what the children say. No one knows. I'm, I've never been a child. Middle Tennessee <laughs> Anime Convention, or MTAC, has been postponed and not yet rescheduled. Um, we will keep you posted on that. MomoCon yep. in Atlanta has been postponed through to 2021, which is a bummer. We were psyched to be there for the first time. Um, hopefully that is... Uh, you know, taking care of in 2021 comes back better than ever. And same for Nashville Comic-Con. That was supposed to be the first one here in Middle Tennessee and Nashville. That was postponed until 2021 as well. Hopefully everything works out with that and we see them next year and see everybody there next year as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to Evil Con and Akai Con, though. Hopefully those dates stay in place. Nothing too crazy happens. We can still make those events because, yeah, con season, I mean, that's that's one thing that... I know I look forward to every year. It's just a, a great way to kind of see a lot of friends that are also like grown adults and super fucking busy. And it's for a lot of us is the one of the very few times we get to see each other. So hopefully a few of these will get to either be rescheduled or they will stay put in their current schedule. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty much just going to echo what David said. It's uh Usually a lot of fun, especially for a shut-in like myself to actually get out and be around other people, some of whom have similar interests, and that is all right. I will say on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a couple of new Patreon donors. Um, yep. Uh, I'm you assuming these are the Dillinghams. I don't know. Yeah, we have two new Patreon donors, and as per usual, whenever we get a new Patreon donor, regardless of whatever tier you subscribe to, you get a shout-out on the preceding podcast that comes after you subscribe and the shout outs are going to Reagan Dillingham and Evan Dillingham brother, sister duo tag team taking over the universe. They are cool peeps. I've known them for a very long time. I want to 
preface this saying that I did not like force them against their will to sign up. Like, don't think uh, that Reagan, Evan, if you have been forced against your will to donate money to our bullshittery, uh, please bl- blink, blink twice. Blink twice. Never mind that we're not in the same room as you, and I can neither confirm nor deny if you will be blinking. But um, right, um, send us a page. picture of you blinking. Yes, or, and then we'll ignore video? it because David will intercept it with his weird hacker rig. Uh, moving right along thank you and uh what also the hell is wrong with you for donating to us that means a lot and also get help (laughs) we had a facebook poll up on the geek garage fans whatever it's called group page yes Um, it was to celebrate may the 4th for some reason uh it was which of the three or or, excuse me which of the three star wars trilogies was your favorite there are three of them that's that's three too many uh (laughs) the original trilogy the prequels or the new trilogy uh, the winner, as of this afternoon at least, was the originals, episodes four through six, also known as the only ones that are worth sitting through. So, big surprise there. Yeah, that that definitely was not a surprise. I don't believe that the prequels got any votes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'll be that guy. Yeah. The prequels suffered because they didn't have anybody to tell George no. There's some really good ideas in there, and they could have been really good, but unfortunately, and and just. And despite like your overall view of Star Wars, I think the majority of people that criticize the prequels will agree with that statement. Yeah, there are some very good ideas in there. The mm-hmm. problem is, like I said, uh, by the time he started working on those, he had been surrounded by yes men for so long um, right. that nobody was like, George, maybe set the fuck down and let somebody who can actually write and edit do those things. Um, yeah. Great world builder. But it doesn't always translate, buddy. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, there's. I don't. I, I. I'm very hesitant to to talk any more about this because I don't want to get on any sort of tangent and have this intro run like 25 fucking minutes long. So we'll. I think we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Everyone who participated in this Facebook group poll, thank you very much. We appreciate your participation as always. Yes. Um, now, uh, with all that said, I think it's time to, uh, get to the reason for the season, as the children say, to go up another phrase, um, and talk about Inside Blue and Davis right after, uh, this. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, all engine running, liftoff, we have a liftoff. So let's go ahead and get this show started. Like Ted said in the intro, we are going to be talking about Inside Lewin Davis today. The film, I believe it debuted in 2014. It was directed by the Coen brothers and it's, it's definitely not my favorite Coen brothers movie, but that's along the same lines of like choosing your favorite flavor of ice cream or what other what other thing in in your life that's it's just a bunch of great stuff and you're like picking you're like it's the toughest decision in your life you know what i'm talking about and either way it's it's a great movie and uh when i discovered that ted hadn't seen it i knew that it 
definitely had to go on the list because I figured that he would get a kick out of it. And kind of like he said, he just didn't have a chance to get to it yet because his movie list, just like my movie list, is like a fucking mile long. So I definitely wasn't going to fault him for it. But we are taking the opportunity, excuse me, to talk about it right now. So without further ado, Ted, what are some of your general thoughts about Inside Lewin Davis? Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, I do enjoy all of the Coen Brothers movies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be hesitant to say that they've put out an out-and-out out, um, bad film. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that I don't enjoy as much as others, but um, they still have their uh, moments, so to speak. So overall, I definitely liked it. Um, I thought it was very, very... It was very obviously a Coen Brothers film. And what I mean by that is they definitely have their signature sort of style, their signature sort of script writing. For sure. Um, Like in many of their other films, this went from very bleak um, and despairing and nihilistic to very wisecracking, even in some cases before you realize that it happened. And I don't mean like a slapstick way. Like it didn't go from, you know, like a French art house film. And suddenly now that we're throwing pies at one another, but just a a line of dialogue or a look, uh, a character gave something like that. And it it just, just that very signature Cohen style. And, you know, if you're familiar with a lot of their films, then you know exactly what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, I, th- I think you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as like the tone starting out definitely in the nihilistic realm and ending on a definitely a slightly lighter, higher note, especially with him, you know, despite the fact that he like the, the last scene in the movie is him almost getting the shit kicked out of him in, in the alleyway behind a, a bar venue. Um, his last little comment, he was like, all right, see you later. And then like the movie ends, like it just fucking kills me like every time. Cause I'm like such fucking classic Coen brothers, like sign off line <laughs> way to end a movie. Right. So when I first saw this movie, I didn't really know about the term slice of life kind of film. And you, you were the one who kind of put it in perspective to me when we went to go see, once upon a time in Hollywood and you were like, yeah, it's, it's like a slice of life film. And I was like, Oh, that's what that means. And, and so I, when I, I watched this the other night and in preparation for this episode, I kind of had that realization that it kind of felt like a, almost like a slice of life, like nihilistic slice of life movie. Did, did you get that, that feeling at all? Um, because I mean, it, yes. it really didn't have like like a a plot. Like, and even the Coen Brothers kind of admitted that they like threw in the cat because before they put the cat into the scripts, like they realized that there was no solid like beginning, middle, and end or definitive plot. Yeah, see, I think that's bullshit. Um, I I definitely understand the 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 thought process of it being a slice of life film, and in, in a lot of ways, it is because it doesn't have that sort of typical point A is the beginning point B is the, the middle. And then point C is what we were driving towards, you know, for the end. I, I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more just, it drops you in. He's performing. 
it shows you a few days in his life and then it, it, you know, it cuts back to him performing. Um, but I disagree. And I think it's kind of bullshit that they didn't have, like, they knew what they were doing. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a cop out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I pulled that, I think from the IMDB trivia and we all know the history of IMDB trivia and how it's not, necessarily 100% factual so that that, that might have been from the dvd commentary might have been from right uh, i'm not else. saying I'm, you know i'm not calling you a liar i'm not saying whoever put that on the imdb commentary is a liar i just i find that you know i, I find that explanation lacking personally yeah it's yeah i i don't know if i necessarily agree with with that statement but i did kind of feel like it it could be considered a slice of life film. Like there could be an argument made for that. So I, I was just, that was one of just my random questions that I, I thought of that I wanted to get your, your input on. So, sure. So where, I don't know if you took the time to kind of put this, uh, to, to rank this Coen brothers movie in in the list of other Coen brothers movies that you have seen and enjoyed, do do you know where this could would or could potentially rank on that list on your your own personal list? Um, I'd have to watch it at least one more time, and sure. I'd have to you know like with any other list, I'd have to really think about it. Um, it's gonna be really tough to top, you know, some of their other films that I hold in such high regard or high esteem. Right. That said, I mean. You know, like I said, I don't know that they've ever put out a truly bad film, so it's sort of an exercise in futility even trying to rank them. Sure. Even for just like a personal list. It's kind of just like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, 2. You know what I mean? It's just like... (laughs) Right, right. um, It's it's kind of difficult. I would say that just off of a first viewing, it's probably up somewhere near the top. Um, Okay. You know, it's going to be tough... For, like for me personally, it's going to be tough for them to edge out No Country. It's going to be tough for them to edge out The Big Lebowski. It's going to be tough to edge out Blood Simple, you know. Um, but you know that said, it's you know it's like you said, it's like picking your favorite flavor of ice cream. You know, some days I like strawberry, some days I like chocolate. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. What did you think of all the cameos? I know you texted me intermittently throughout your viewing of this movie and you're like, holy shit, that's Justin Timberlake. Holy shit, that's Adam Driver. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I didn't really look at the cast list. I mean, I knew obviously that like Oscar Isaac played the main character. I knew John Goodman was in it because it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a good assumption. I think I had known that Adam Driver was in it just from you know, hearing about the film occasionally since it was released. Right. Um, the one that really threw me for a loop is literally the, as I'm watching it, I was like, is that fucking Justin Timberlake? That looks like, <laughs> there's no way that's fucking Justin Timberlake. Um, because when you first meet him, the camera's never really right on him. Plus it's kind of in that like dim nightclub. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, plus he's a little bit, not, not like fat, but he's, like to me, Justin Timberlake always looks like what he looked like when I was like 15, you know? So now he's sure. like more of an adult shape. You know? Sure. Right. <laughs> um, no, that makes so sense. 
a little bigger, a little more hair, you know, he wears his hair differently as well. So yeah, uh, it took me a minute. And then when, you know, you see him right on straight ahead in the light, I was like, fuck it is, you know, right. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to decide which of my favorite or which of the supporting characters or cameos, like you said, is my favorite. Um, Adam driver was fucking hysterical. Mm. Um, yeah, your, your, uh, text about him just being like stoned to be like, all right, let's record some folk music. Yeah. What, what that recording session of him doing all the, like the background. Oh, Oh, sound. Like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I really feel like before the Coen brothers just gave him a bunch of really good hydro and we're like, have at it, dude. Um, <laughs> You know, I, right. I don't know that for a fact, but that's kind of what it seemed like. Uh, I will say, I think my favorite line in the film, and this is probably going to edge it towards John Goodman. And and also, this is one of my favorite lines that the Coen brothers have ever written. And maybe my favorite line the Coen brothers have ever written. When they're in the car and Lewin says, you know, my friend threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. And John Goodman says, well, you jump off the Brooklyn bridge traditionally that <laughs> fucking slayed me. Yeah. That's just yeah. the offhand way. He was like, your friend couldn't even fucking kill himself. Right. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, that was f- phenomenal. Great yeah. line. Yeah. That, that was definitely a signature Coen brothers line delivered and executed perfectly by John Goodman. No shocker there. Yeah. I agreed a hundred percent. So I, uh, I'll definitely agree with you with Justin Timberlake's, like at least his first, his initial on-screen time, like it, it it's very nonchalant. Like he just kind of like you, what you were saying, he just shows up and the f- camera isn't necessarily focused on him. It doesn't take any extra shots to, to kind of establish like this character or anything. It, it's still kind of focused on Lewin Davis as he's watching the whoever is up on stage at that moment. And, and so I can definitely understand why you would kind of like look there for a few, few minutes and be like, is, is that just a temper? Like, cause I, I think I did the exact same thing. I was just like, is that, is that fucking Justin Timberlake? Uh, so, so yeah, that, I, I thought that was kind of funny how you had a little bit of trouble figuring that out. It definitely makes sense. So, I know you've only seen this movie once and you definitely like to see movies a few times before you start formulating certain opinions and hypotheses and whatnot. And uh, I totally get that because that's something that I like to do as well. I think I've seen this movie maybe a million times, but I was going to ask just off of that initial one viewing if you thought that there was maybe some sort of like quote unquote bigger picture to the movie, like with, with a lot of Coen brothers movies, it's very allegorical, multi-layered, like an onion. It seems to be a theme where, you know, there's there's surface level and then there's this bigger, much bigger picture going on. And I was curious to see if you maybe started to formulate some sort of idea as to what might be the bigger picture. I, I definitely agree that a lot of the Coen brothers works are very allegorical. Um, you know, I, th- I think the easiest one to point to is, um, Oh brother, where art thou, which is basically an almost exact retelling of the Odyssey. Right. 
Um, I think that one's, like I said, the easiest to point to. It's definitely not the only one, uh, but I, I'd say it's probably the most obvious. For this one, I think this one's a little more dense. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely some parallels and some very intentional parallels to, you know, Odysseus or Ulysses. Um, I saw where they had based this screenplay off of, I think the autobiography of a folk musician who didn't, who never like quote unquote made it. From right. The 60s. Um, which is fitting. And I think there's a place for, you know, stories like that. Not everybody was Bob Dylan, just like not everybody, you know, not everybody wins in the end. That's, that's one of the things about movies that a lot of people dislike is, Oh, there's always, you know, the good guys win quote unquote, the bads, the bad ones lose. And mm-hmm. life's not like that, as we all know. So I, I think there's definitely a place for stories like this one, and I'm, I don't, I'm all for it. This reminded me a lot of, like I said, there's some obvious similarity, similarities excuse me, to the works of Homer with Odysseus and um, the romanization of that Ulysses. There's also some interesting references to those. The cat, for example, being named Ulysses, mm-hmm. which also ties into the works of James Joyce, which the titular novel... Uh, or the novel with the same title, Ulysses. Um, so I'm not 100% sure exactly what they were going for. You know, it's tough to say after one watch. Um, I, I definitely would like to see it again and, and kind of formulate some better thoughts about it and not sound like a rambling idiot. Um, but there's definitely something that they were going for and and that they had in mind other than just, hey, here's Oscar Isaac singing for, you know, 100, 125 <laughs> minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I I definitely agree with with a lot of what you said. I I feel like there is something something a little bit bigger going on here as as per usual with with the Coen Brothers movies. And and they I believe they have gone on record saying that they did pull a little bit from Homer's Odyssey for this movie as not as heavily as they did for O Brother Where Art Thou, like you said, but they they did pull a little bit for for this movie to me it almost seems maybe like a coming of age movie or like a, a an individual maturing but in a fairly rapid pace cuz like within 10 to 15 minutes of starting this movie you get the impression that not too many people in Lewin's life like him like he's pretty much a horse's ass like for the most part and and by the end of the movie it seems like he's getting along with people a little bit better like he's you know he's cracking up with with the guy behind the bar that you know he just recently had had a fight with and you know he got kicked out of the bar and then I don't know it just it just seems like his overall attitude and demeanor is, is a little bit more lighthearted and this kind of ties into what we were saying towards the beginning of the episode with the, the shift from nihilism more towards the lighter side of things, life, etc. cetera, uh, at the end of the movie. But, but yeah, that, that was one thing that I kind of picked up from it was, was that it's almost like a, a coming of age or a maturing kind of thing but just in, in rapid pace over the course of just a couple days, I think is, is just how long this movie takes place. Maybe like yeah, three or I four days. Yeah, I think it's about a, a, a week, maybe. 
Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, give or take a couple of days. Yeah. So what's really interesting to me about it is, um, I did a little bit of digging around on the uh, the old internets mm-hmm. for you know different people's opinions, not to not to like steal their work and but just sure. you know, out of curiosity to see what other people thought and. I was surprised there weren't very many people who took the same things away from it that I took away from it. And I didn't feel like it was a stretch to think this, but it seems pretty clear to me that most of the movie is Llewellyn looking or Lewin, excuse me, looking back on the last week or so of his life. Right. Because it starts, he wakes up or I'm, I'm sorry, it starts with the performance and then he wakes up and he's remembering all these things. And then he, winds up quite literally in the same place he was at to start. Right. Um, in the same performance. And he just goes on to another song. So, you know, my, my thinking is it's fairly straightforward that it goes, he plays, he plays a song. He thinks about the events of the last week. And I, I agree with you that something in him has changed. Mm-hmm. Then he plays the last song, gets the shit kicked out of him and says, au revoir. Um, so my takeaway was that he, I think he realized that if he wanted to be a musician, like a professional musician, he had to sacrifice something. You know, the guy in Chicago that he goes to see says very clearly, um, I don't see a lot of money in it. Right. But if you really want to do this, you know, you could be the second guy in this group I'm putting together, which I think was supposed to be like Peter, Paul and Mary. Or yes. A facsimile yeah. thereof. Yeah, um, it was where he's like, you know, you'll do harmonies or melodies and you won't be the guy, but you'll be part of the group. And, you know, to him, that is that deeply offends him, basically. And he's just like, mm-hmm. fuck that, yeah. um, which kind of plays into his character well, because he's sort of set up as the, you know, struggling artiste amongst all these people that he considers beneath him. Uh, yeah, I was going to say maybe lesser or maybe just like sellouts in some way sure yeah um where like he you know there's the scene where he does the session work with uh i believe the character's name is is jim is that justin character or justin timberlake's character's name jim i think i Um, actually have the movie pulled up on imdb yes jim is justin timberlake and adam driver is al cody yeah he, he does the the session work with them and he's like he's sort of making fun of this song because it's just like this pop drivel and he's like who wrote this and justin timberlake's character is like i did and he's just kind of <laughs> like oh you know right uh, but there's like obviously no harm no foul like on on both of their faces they just kind of like brush it off they're like eh, whatever right like, it's the business um, then that song comes up again when uh, I believe it's when he's at the dinner and the guy, uh, one of the guests at the dinner says, oh, that song's going to be a big hit. You know, the royalties on that. Wow. Um, and of course, you know, we, the audience know that, you know, Lua didn't take any royalties because he needed the money up front so he could pay for yeah. uh, somebody's abortion. Yeah. Um, there's also, this is a great moment as well when he's, they, they go to the gaslight to see uh, the, the young military man play his set Mm-hmm. he's like oh there's somebody special in the audience and Lewin's like I don't have my guitar I can't do it and he's like shocked and, and it seems like uh, offended really when that character calls up Justin Timberlake and Carrie Mulligan's characters to do a song with him and he's just like how the right. fuck you know I'm the I'm the guy you know I'm the talented one um, yeah and then he realizes at the end like 
you know, I can keep doing this and I'll never have shit, basically. <laughs> um, right. And, or rather, I can be an, an adult um, in the, you know, in, in the realistic and metaphorical sense and, and take some responsibilities. Right. Um, which is which is made even even better with the the bitter realization, the bitter irony that as soon as he's done on that stage, the next person up is Bob Dylan, who as you know we know um, in our reality um, was basically the biggest folk artist that ever fucking existed and transcended it to pop, you know, um, successes and yep has basically become almost deified as a songwriter and, and rightfully so, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, but, um, you know, that just kind of adds to the bitter irony. Now, Lewin doesn't know that obviously he doesn't have the benefits that we do, you know, having quote unquote seen the future. Right. Um, but that's just another great like twist of the knife. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I thought that was a, if they were going to throw Bob Dylan in, that was like the perfect time It is right when he's like kind of heading outside and he gives the stage one last look. And it just happened to be kind of like the, the half to the back half of Bob Dylan. And mm. like, just by his look, you know, his, his fro and Sound. of course his signature voice, mm. you, you know, it's Bob Dylan, but I just, I love that they threw him in there, but they threw him in there in that capacity. Like they, uh, in my opinion, they they used him, utilized him in the movie very well. Yeah, I, I agree. It would have been very easy and very unlike the Coens to just be like, oh, and by the way, it was the 60s and folk, so here's a Bob Dylan cameo. You know, um, <laughs> right. they did it in a very, very nuanced, very clever way to right. admit like, okay, obviously Dylan was a huge thing and has to be mentioned, but we don't want to beat you about the head with it and be too on the nose with it. Right, right, for sure. Uh, just a, a couple more questions. What did you think about the acting performances overall? I mean, they were good. You know, um, you have a very talented cast and a pair of talented directors, so it's not surprising that everybody was good in it. Um, I was more impressed with the singing performances, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume that, like with a lot of films those were dubbed in Mm -hmm. and then I found that all those were sung live. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think most, if not all uh, of them were, were sung live. Yeah. Which was very, very impressive to me. I was, I was very impressed with everybody because there's some, they're not necessarily complex harmonies. You know, it's not like you have five different vocal ranges going at once, but you know, to, to have people that for the most part, aren't known at least, to us as singers, that was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I do really like Oscar Isaac in this. I I mean, all the supporting characters, actors, they they all did really great jobs. So yeah, we we haven't mentioned Carrie Mulligan a whole lot in this episode yet, but yeah, I, I think she definitely deserves some props, like the way that she gets pissed off at Lewin Davis. Just basically every time they get together, she, she finds another deservedly. So reason to just attack the shit out of him. And it's a new asshole basically. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I agree. She was uh she was great. I the 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 only thing about the movie that I disliked and it, you bring her up kind of made me think about this is a lot of the characters outside of Lou and Davis were kind of one note. Sure. And I feel like that was probably a deliberate choice to make Lewin seem more interesting than he probably actually would be as a character. Yeah, I can see that. And also it plays very well thematically because he's very clearly Mm self-obsessed. And so if we are taking the film to be his, um, if we're taking the film to be him going through the world as he sees it, then it makes sense for the characters to be kind of one note because to him, they're just like background noise. They're, yeah, he's the star of the show, so to speak. So um, that kind of makes sense. But you're right. I did take a lot of uh, pleasure in seeing her just get fucking pissed. Um, Yeah. And tear him a new asshole and basically be like, you're the worst piece of shit that's ever lived. And I hope you die. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And it was her very, very good performance that sold that idea that you're not necessarily supposed to hate Lewin Davis. Like you don't have to, but you're supposed to be under the impression that he he can be a dislikable character and he if you want to consider him a an antagonist or a piece of shit then go for it uh, because you can make arguments for that and so that that part if like you always say i i don't want to assume intent from the the writers and directors and the artists behind this film but if that's what they were going for to kind of set her dialogue as the character as a character set her up for making Lewin look like an ass then message received yeah but i mean to be fair um she's not really all that likable either if you really no. think about it no i mean she I will say that at at points it does seem like she's kind of like unnecessarily attacking him, but at the same time, you don't, you, you get the impression that there's a lot that has transpired between the two of them. And you really only know like the tip of the iceberg. Right. And I don't mean that like her yelling at him or belittling him was, you know is is what made me dislike her but like she cheated on her man and got pregnant with some other dude that's pretty shitty you know so right yeah there's a yeah, lot she's of not... in this that like if you go beyond a surface level you're like man these people all kind of suck <laughs> <laughs> right um, yeah and in in that that very theme or light it's it's very much like a coen brothers movie where no one is perfect and and they kind of they go out of their way to emphasize that, that be like, Hey, this is, this is kind of like real life. Like, yes, this, this person is like the central point of the story or they're the main character, but here's a bunch of things that make them not perfect. And yes, that might make them look like an asshole or whatever, but guess what? Like no one in fucking life is perfect. And we all do assholey things to each other. And we all do great things to each other. And, and that's, that's just all there is to it. That's, that's life, man. So yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, you know, uh, another great 
kind of an addition to this movie that uh, like a the signature theme that comes from the coen brothers but yeah i just have a, a one last question we kind of touched on some of the music in uh, a few of the previous questions but i i just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the music because i wasn't sure where you where folk music fell in the realm of what your music taste is like. Like I, I know we we've talked a little bit about stuff that's not metal <laughs> and and folk has kind of like come up a little bit in the past, but I, I still didn't have a good idea if you were like really into folk music. So I wanted to get your opinions on on like that the actual music itself in this movie and like the original compositions. I mean, folk music's not my favorite thing in the world. I, mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, some of the bigger acts. Like, I like Dylan, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Um, some of the bigger 60s acts, I, I'm, I'm into as well. Um, depending on what you want to classify as folk. You know, I don't want to start name-dropping groups or artists like I'm knowledgeable. But um, some of the obvious stuff, I think, like... Um, uh, you know, like Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Paul and Mary, Neil Young, you know, some of the obvious stuff. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not going to act like I'm a folk connoisseur. Right. Um, it's definitely not, you know, in my top preferences, I guess to say, but I, I don't outright hate it. Um, you know, I, I thought the soundtrack was good. Uh, the, the, the music that was written specifically for the film was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances of the more classic folk songs were, um, were good. But it's just not, you know, it's never going to be my preferred cup of tea, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, I kind of land on, on the same same page as you regarding folk music. Like, it's definitely not my favorite genre, and I definitely have to be in the mood to listen to it. It's not something that I could put on every day. But uh, when I when I am in the mood to listen to it, and when I am in the mood to, like, watch this movie, like, it, it hits the all those, no pun intended, all the, those right notes and yeah i i don't i i really liked the original compositions for this movie i up uh, at this at this point when when i first saw the movie i was a fan of mumford and sons and they did one of the the few original songs for this movie and of course that was back when they were like that was their thing was like the new age folk bands with with like you know, an actual upright bass and violins and other stringed instruments and all that. And, and so like, that was, that was kind of like my jam. So when this movie came out, it kind of like hit at that right exact time for me where, where it was like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, really got into it. So, so yeah, like I said, I was just curious to, to hear your thoughts on the music. So it's good to, good to hear that, you know, you got at least some, something out of it. I, totally understand where you're coming from with folk like not being your your main jam makes sense because it's definitely not mine but yeah anyways that's that's pretty much it for my questions do you have any other thoughts that you want to throw out for for this movie i thought it was really well done which is again no surprise look at who is involved in it but right um I definitely recommend it. Not everybody's going to like it. And even uh, one thing I noticed is that even people that are really, you know, like 
big fans of the Coen brothers, this movie is still really divisive. A lot of people mm-hmm. that enjoy their other films didn't enjoy this at all. Um, I saw the words dreadfully boring pop up several times and I was just like, <laughs> did we watch the same movie? Like, <laughs> Right, you uncultured uh, swine. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yes, uh, clearly, but, um, you know, I don't get it. It's like, like any other art, it's going to come down to personal preference, right? Sure. Um, there's nothing that's universally beloved. There's nothing that's universally reviled. Um, I just, I am often at a loss where, you know, even though I think that these opinions are valid and you're certainly allowed to have them. I'm often dumbfounded by them a lot of times. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really interesting was when I was going through the trivia that the, the original uh, Roger Deakins was originally supposed to be, or they they wanted him to be the, the, the DP or Mm. isn't that his title or cinematographer or uh, I mean, he, he works yeah he works he's worked with the coen brothers a lot in the past he's helped them win several awards he's also worked of course with sam mendez you know we talked about him on the the 1917 movie so but yeah i i just i thought that was kind of interesting that they originally wanted uh, to get him but at the time i think it was one of the James Bond movies that they were working on. It might've been Skyfall that, that he was working on. So they, they couldn't get him, but it did. I feel like it did kind of resemble a, a Roger Deakins kind of directing cinematography style. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think Roger Deakins sort of has a style onto himself. Um, it's actually, it's funny that you bring that up because I saw the other day, um, that or earlier today maybe that he had just launched a podcast like everybody else he's probably bored in quarantine (laughs) Uh, uh, just launched a podcast with his wife and collaborator james deacons Um, they work i think on all of his films or all the films he's been hired on i I think they have collaborated on sure um as well as obviously like i said they're they're married so nobody probably knows him better than she does um they've started a podcast about it anyway I bring that up to, to say that I was actually thinking about the different films that he's done or that he's worked on and how many of them are like on my short list of favorites. <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah. kind of a shocking amount actually. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Um, it's more than you would probably think, you know, okay. normally when you're like, Oh, I love such and such director, you know, and you rattle off their movies, they probably have a crew that's very, um, maybe not ubiquitous, but they probably work with a lot of the same people. Right. You know, like we've talked about the Coens, they work with John Goodman a lot. You know, they have a, a, a pretty unique style, etc. But, um, yeah, so many of the movies I like, the common theme with them is, is, is Team Deacon's yeah. cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, but that's that's cool. I, I now uh, now I want to go find that podcast, <laughs> listen to it. I'm I'm curious to to hear what what it's all about. It's called uh, Team Deacons. Okay. It it came out last week, I think, mm-hmm. and I think it's just available on his website, RogerDeacons.com. But they've they I think they 
I think when they dropped it, they dropped like six episodes at once. So it's not oh, like, okay. you know, they, they didn't come out with like most podcasts come out when they're like the three minute teaser of like, we're going to talk about this. They just came out. They're like, bam, here's six episodes. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. Um, not to sound like a pretentious dick. I, I don't think this is going to be something that a lot of our listeners, all four of them care about necessarily. Um, based on what I'm seeing about it, it's like pretty deep into like, the type of lens choices and, and lighting styles and things like that. So um, right. if you're not interested in that sentence, you're probably not going to like the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I personally haven't listened to it, so I can't speak, you know, to the quality of it, but sure. Um, those are two very intelligent fucking people. So I would mm-hmm. assume they know their shit about uh, cinematography and, and, um, and the like. So I'll give it a yeah. shot. Yeah. I mean, he got to work with the Coen brothers and with Sam Mendes and yeah and they've been around for a long time and they they got to work with daniel craig and so i feel like i owe it to, to listen to the podcast so yeah uh but to to all all three or four of you out there that are currently listening to this episode probably not at the same time but yeah if if you appreciate movies in in any former fashion that that aren't necessarily considered popcorn flicks that might be a little bit deeper than than yeah this this movie inside lewin davis is for you and other coen brothers and other sam mendez and other roger deacon's cinematography pronounced mendes all right we're done here (laughs) yeah well we had a good run uh no uh but yeah I, I, un, unless you have anything else to add I, I think this is a good place to wrap it up yeah no like i said i i i definitely recommend the film i don't think everybody's gonna like it obviously mm-hmm. but I, I definitely did and i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah it's definitely not for everyone i'll echo that i i don't know why i like it so much like i said it's definitely not my favorite coen brothers movie but it's it's definitely up there and it's just, it's just different. Like it, it feels different and it's, it's kind of fun. It, despite the fact that it feels like a little bit of a downer, it's doesn't bring me down. It kind of, you know, it has a little bit of a happy ending. So I don't know. I, I liked it and I, I am gl- very glad that you enjoyed it as well. That, you know, makes me excited. So yeah. Do, do we want to talk about what movie we are going to be discussing next week? Uh, yes, because I think it'll be a little more in the wheelhouse of the average Geek Garage podcast listener. Mm, um, probably. On our last episode, David had mentioned that he, when we were sort of teasing um, this slew of episodes upcoming where we select movies for the other to watch, he had brought up that, uh, he had brought up my well-known affinity for Kung Fu movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and had said something to the effect of, if one of your movies isn't a Kung Fu movie, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I originally hadn't picked a, a Kung Fu or Wuja movie for him to view. Um, so I went back and I rectified that. Uh, so next week I will have made David watch Ip Man starring Donnie Yen. Um, yeah. For those of you that have never seen Ip Man, you're fucking doing something very wrong in your life. Um, <laughs> for those of you who heard that title and were like, hell yes, What's up? Welcome to the show. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we we hope that I, you. I love, I love this movie. 
Uh, I like Donnie Yen a lot. Um, he's one of the actors that it's just like, oh, he's in it? Yeah, I'll watch it. Fuck it. <laughs> right. Um, one of the few. I've learned a lot of dark lessons about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a great, solid kung fu movie. I mean, it's nothing to write home about in terms of like, you're probably not going to come away from this and feel like your life has changed or like you've had this big philosophical breakthrough. Um, but you know, you get to see Donnie and kick the shit out of people for like 90 minutes. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you do. It's, I started it the other day and let's just say I'm excited for next week's episode. Yeah. It's, so, it's going to be good. It's gonna yeah. Be good. It, gonna be a good one uh one last thing and then we will do our sign off we will hit our shit that doesn't suck which of course is our funny edgy way of saying hey these are things that we like maybe you'll like them too for me this week i have been revisiting the trailer park boys i was never a huge huge fan of it um not because i didn't like it i had seen clips and watched a couple episodes with friends or what have you and i enjoyed it but i just it, you know i'm i'm not really a serious guy I don't, I don't watch a lot of like tv series so i just never really got that into it i put it on the other day just because i was um wanting something quick and funny to watch and i was like yeah i'll watch this and i got sucked immediately and i'm like four seasons deep (laughs) (laughs) um and it is just it is so fucking funny it's just um it's not going to be for everybody the humor is not going to be for everybody but it's just like it, it, I don't know. There's something about this just lowbrow shit that that I love. So right, um, super super into it. A lot of great one liners and non sequiturs in this show. So very very on brand for me. Yeah, this has been on my list for quite some time now, and just it's the same reason why I haven't gotten to everything else on the list is because the list is so goddamn long. So eventually, I will get to this. I definitely have plans on it. I've heard nothing but great things about the comedy. So, and I mean, it definitely seems like something that I would watch. So yeah, eventually I'll get to it, but it's definitely good to hear that you enjoy it and think it's funny. So, but anyways, I, uh, my shit that doesn't suck is a brand new series that just came out on Netflix. Mm, well, relatively new. I, it was last week or two uh it's the midnight gospel it's by i think the show creator or runner or director or what have you from adventure time it's also the main character is voiced by duncan trussell who is a stand-up comedian he has his own podcast and he does a bunch of other shit but he, he has a very cartoony voice so it's very fitting and let me tell you First of all, the the show is very good. Like it makes a lot of excellent points. Like each episode is kind of dedicated to one like quote unquote topic. Like the first first one is kind of like the the legalization of recreational and psychotropic drugs. But the animation style, it's I don't think it's going to be for everyone. It's very out there. And I'll say this, if you're the kind of person who likes to partake in psychotropic substances, do so while watching this movie and thank me letter because yeah, it's, it is a trip as they say, 
So all, all... Uh, for any government agents that may be listening in, David is not suggesting that anyone do anything illegal at any time ever. He <laughs> does not endorse or condone such activities. However, do whatever the fuck you want. Laws are stupid things that we made up just because. <laughs> Thank you, Theodore, for that disclaimer. I appreciate it. But yes, go watch the show. It is definitely wild and out there. Like I said, it's not for everyone. But yeah, if you watch, just watch the trailer and that will be like, the decider for you like people will either be like eh, definitely not for me or like hmm i'm definitely gonna have to give this a go and and yeah uh, just based off based off that trailer you should be should be able to make the decision for yourself so yeah yeah i've not watched it yet the trailer reminded me a little bit of um uh, similar sort of art style um to heavy metal sure um, it looks trippy main, basically. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, sure you could say that. To it probably at some point. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I believe that'll do it for this episode of the Geek Garage podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode numero 19 of ghost of the movies like always you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher youtube blah 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 Uh, find us on social media facebook twitter instagram again youtube account next week (laughs) yeah we're we're hooking up with the the new popular ones uh, yeah. Next, we'll be on Live Journal. Uh, but yeah, like I said, go subscribe to all that shit. And we will see you next time. And as always, be kind, take it easy, lots of cheesecake. Bye bye. Hey, hello, what's up? And welcome into this week's episode of the Geek Garage Podcast, where this week we are going to the movies. I am Ted, uh, joined as oh, fuck. <laughs> I am Ted. I, I, I'm Ted Fuck. <laughs> That's my porn <laughs> name. <laughs> you I am it. Ted Fuck. I pissed my pants in church. <laughs>